You're listening to Geek Cred, episode 48, featuring Justin Robert Young. Hello, Internet. I'm Steve Rickyberg, and welcome to Geek Cred, the podcast that delivers in-depth, behind-the-scenes interviews about everything geek. On this episode, I am pleased to introduce Justin Robert Young. Welcome to Geek Cred. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm doing great. So to start off, especially for those that somehow might not be familiar with you, tell me a little bit about yourself. 90% of society. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about yourself and about your background. Who is Justin Robert Young? People probably most know me for the NSFW show that I do on the Twit Network with uh, with Brian Brushwood, but I'm also a, a full-time blogger for two sites, itrix.com, which is a daily magic news site uh, that's magic uh, as in the, the David Blaines and David Copperfields and Chris Angels of the world. Not magic uh, not as in Harry Potter? Oh, man. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, a little bit of Potter, again, <laughs> but not, uh, not the, like the, the card game or anything. And then also weirdthings.com, which, which covers news of the weird as well as pop culture and sci-fi and stuff like that. So where did you grow up and kind of what was your path to getting into all this new media? Oh, a bizarre and bramble thorn covered road that has led me to, to here we are on Geek Cred Podcast. I grew up in South Florida mainly. I was born in Texas. I lived in California and South Florida and pretty much Sunbelt states my entire life and mostly grew up around the Fort Lauderdale area and then went to college, got a journalism degree at Syracuse University up there in the snowiest city in America. And... um <laughs> When I was done with that, I, I kind of, I looked at where a lot of my contemporaries were going to work and they were far more talented than me and far more dedicated to their craft. And they have all done exceptional. You know, they've, they're now the people who cover Obama at the Washington Post and, you know, cover uh, Kim Jong-il's death and succession in, in Korea and major sports teams. And I'm I'm so proud of everybody that I worked with. But I kind of was very hesitant to get into newspapers, despite the fact that that was what I had just spent a tremendous amount of money on and I'm still paying paying for a degree in. But I I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I left for New York City to try comedy for a little bit and did that for about a year and a half with mixed results. And uh, then I got in touch. I'd always been in touch with my friend Andrew Main, who's been a longtime friend and and we decided to basically start working together and and just sort of uh, keep pulling uh, in the same directions and he's been a self-employed writer and and magic creator and magician and performer for you know pretty much his entire life and and i kind of wanted a little bit of that experience and so it's been about five years that we've collaborated on stuff like weird things and eye tricks and he helps me with with all the crazy ideas I have, and I help him with all the crazy ideas he has, and and we just, uh, you know, we, we go forward with that. So that's really where I got into. That's that was when I officially was able to start listing new media as my prime source mm-hmm. of income. But it was after that that uh, you know everything just kind of uh, kept expanding, you know. And I met Brian through interviewing him for iTrix and. Uh, We've been, uh, you know, the internet's Thelma and Louise ever since. <laughs> that's that's one way to describe it, I guess. <laughs> Tom merits our Brad Pitt. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Justin Robert Young, why three names? Very good reason for three names. There's a Hawaiian singer named Justin Young. It's like Justin Young dash crazy Hawaiian. But when you Google Justin Young, uh. you come up with him. It's also Young is a very, and I always feel weird saying this. I think people are going to think I'm racist, but it's not a racist thing. It's true. Young is a very, uh, which by the way, whenever anybody says anything after that qualification, I'm <laughs> racist. But this is, I don't think so. Young is a very ethnically ambiguous name. Mm -hmm. There, it's a fairly popular name for black people and a fairly popular name for Asian people, specifically Koreans. So there's just a lot of Youngs, and Justin is a very was a very popular boy's name in the early '80s. So there's just a crap ton of Justin Youngs, and I remember you know, just googling myself in the you know right around when Google was a thing, and just finding like I would find other people named Justin Young that had similar careers as me hmm. or similar interests. Like there was one guy who was like, Hey, I'm really excited to be going to college for journalism. Like the diary of Justin Young. And I'm like, did I get high and write <laughs> a journal and post it online? And I clicked on it. It was just some other dude. It was some black dude in, in Queens who was really excited to go to school for journalism. So I was like, I got to come up with something. And then thankfully I have a name in the middle of my other two names. It sounds like, I think it sounds nice. Justin Robert Young. Right. Just kind of sort of rolls off the tongue. So I decided to go with that, but that was to differentiate and largely because the Hawaiian singer. Right, right. Yeah. It's something that's easy for me to forget with a name like mine. I'm the only person on the whole planet with my name. So I don't have to worry about that. Of course, I have to worry about people spelling my name, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. No, I mean, listen, it's always a gamble. See, Brian Brushwood, that's a good name that sticks out. Yeah, Andrew Maine, that sticks out. There's not going to be a whole lot of Andrew Maines. Justin Young, ah, just a bonanza. He just right. couldn't. You had to beat Justin Young's off you with a stick. And you know what? It's funny. I was actually in. Dallas, Texas, a couple years ago, or no, last year. And um, I was at a bar with a friend of mine, Pete Friedman, who's another colleague of, or was a colleague of mine at the Daily Orange in Syracuse, New York. And uh, he right now is actually starting his own site, centraltrack.com. He's a brilliant music journalist. He's, he's awesome and, and a great writer. And anybody who's living in Dallas that wants to get into the music scene, go read him. He knew a guy who was in a band in Dallas that was like Justin Ryan Young. Oh gosh! And I was like, "Dude, I know I'm doing to you what the Hawaiian singer did to me. <laughs> like, like the Hawaiian singer screwed both of us. And now, like, I'm Justin R Young on Twitter, and I'm like, sorry, bro, I claimed it. You can't have it. <laughs> there you go. So, were you always kind of a geek growing up, or was this more something you embraced later in life as an adult? I'm constantly terrified that people are going to call me out as a fraud. So I'm very careful about where I place my geek credentials. Mm -hmm. Hopefully being on this podcast named Geek Cred, I will be able to store up some points. <laughs> Can't um, hurt. Can't with the hurt. populace. I'm always just afraid because I, I, love, I love what I love. And a lot of that is very geeky. And I like to get obsessive about the things that I love, which is obviously a very geeky trait. But like, I'm so terrified that I'm going to say something and it's, I'm not going to know as much as another guy. And then they're just going to stand up and start screaming, fraud, right, right. 
Thrawn, go away! Banish him from the Geek Kingdom. <laughs> and a lot of that has come from, like, you know, with eye tricks. I've never practiced magic. I've never invented a magic trick. I've never performed a show. I don't know a magic trick. But I cover the industry because I like it, and I know enough about it to cover it. And now having a track record, I've done it, doing it for several years, it's less of an issue. But I was always terrified with that site that people would just be like, what the F word do you know about magic? Is what I was afraid of. It was just going to be every comment on the right. site. And so the first two movies I remember seeing were you know, Indiana Jones and Star Wars. And I've always you know, kind of uh, liked to obsess over things like that. I was, you know, obviously I was on the internet like someone in my generation was, you know, very, very early in life. And I've, I've done nothing but kind of stockpile a lot of this knowledge and, and I like reading sci-fi books and watching sci-fi movies and watching horror movies. And, you know, I think I'd rather surprise people mm. with how geeky I am than roll in saying like, sup geeks in the house am i right like <laughs> so i mean and and i'm geeky about a lot of things that like i i don't think a lot of other people are geeky about like i mean one of the coolest thing about the blogging revolution that happened you know probably seven eight years ago in, in earnest was kind of the rise of the sports geek because i'm mm -hmm. a big sports fan but sometimes it's really cool to make a Sarlacc pit joke about a sports team. You know, right. the internet is, is kind of uh, done very well to sort of give people like that or people like me for, for that kind of thing a home. And also it's like, you know, like I like things like I was obsessed when I was a kid with, with professional wrestling. And that's something that, you know, isn't necessarily considered like now it's kind of considered geeky on a level, but it's only because of sports geekery kind of rising mm -hmm. up as its own sort of thing. Like if you were to make a joke about the Bushwhackers 10 years ago and, and relate it to how Microsoft and Apple are working together, you know, I, I think no one would know what the hell you were talking about and they would think it was a jock reference. Now it's kind of a geek reference, which mm -hmm. is sort of interesting. Mm -hmm. So kind of touched on it how did you meet with and connect with brian brushwood and how did that whole partnership come about um it was a misty night <laughs> a, a last see, chance you see I, I i gotta say it's funny because i asked brian the same question about you so it'll be interesting to get the other perspective yeah yeah um well what do you say about me how do you say what do you, what did he say about about meeting me I, i'm not telling oh god <laughs> Here we go. Now we're going to see who's right. All right. So um, it's really not a complicated story. Running eye tricks. There's not a lot of magic news. I'll just spoiler alert. There not a lot happens in the magic industry. So inventing a several posts a day news blog was a challenge in and mm. of itself. Right. So when something like Revision 3 comes out with something like Scam School, it's a fairly big deal. And, uh, you know, immediately when that happened, I, uh, I, I remember my old roommate, Chris Burney, told me, hey, you know, he actually talks, he kind of talks, he has like a trippy voice. And he was like, hey, man, here's the new magic podcast on Revision 3. It's pretty good. So I uh, called up Brian and, and did an interview with him. And we got along 
fairly well uh, initially. There was actually there was a bit of a controversy actually. Now that I remembered, the first trick he did on Scam School had been previously released commercially by a mutual friend of ours, Danny Garcia. He called it, I forget what he calls it, but it's the first episode of Scam School, and Danny had called it Warning, which had to be pulled because there was questionable medical evidence that pointed to lighting a match and inhaling the sulfur being cancerous, which when your primary market is nine to 13 year old boys who are asking their parents for permission, you don't want that. That's a bit of a problem. (laughs) I don't know if that's true, but it was enough to have him pull the thing. So basically it had been out there in the magic field as a Danny Garcia trick. And there was kind of a, a little magic internet brouhaha about whether or not Brian had stolen it. So I called Brian and I asked him about or emailed him and I asked him about it and he was really forthright and basically it had boiled down to him. He was the one who taught Danny the trick. Ah. Uh, so it really wasn't Danny's trick originally and Danny confirmed it. So that was kind of the beginning of where I met Brian. I interviewed him a, a few more times for iTricks and then when he was at Halloween Horror Nights a couple of years ago, uh, which I think it was his second turn there, but it was the first since we had started iTrix. I drove up to Orlando, living in Fort Lauderdale. It's like a three-hour drive. And we had just a really good time. We really just sort of hit it off as friends. And uh, I remember I was dating a, a girl, and she had family in Orlando. And she, I hung out at the park for a while with her, and then she left to go stay with her family. And I went to Brian's house to hang out and just, you know, shoot the S word. And... um I wound up really, really, really pissing her off because I was out so late just horsing around with Brian and watching viral videos. And and really, if you look at it, I mean, that is the germ. That one night at a rental home in suburban Orlando or or probably even Kissimmee was the proto NSFW BB Live show, Mm. weird things, everything that's night attack, everything that's kind of come out of me and Brian horsing around, that was the spark. The spark was that night where we realized we had a lot in common and you know, we had a very easygoing relationship. Like he was showing me these old like press photos that he had or some magazine layout. And I remember I, remember I called him, <laughs> I said that he looked really hayseed in one of them. And I remember thinking, he was talking about how much he had lost a bunch of weight. And he was like, oh, look how fat I look in this one. And I was like, man, you do, you look like super hayseed where now in your press materials, you don't at all. And I, think, I remember that being the first time that I was like, oh, wow, did I, it's kind of not good. I'm just like crapping on this guy's thing <laughs> or I'm calling him names and everything. And Brian totally rolled with it. And I think that's, I mean, it's funny to look back on it and look at those first moments and then realize like, wow, like a lot of those things we kind of turned into a podcast that's built a fantastic listenership and you know a lot of stuff that's come out of that like like the night attack album which you know mm-hmm. it was just an absolute dream come true uh, a comedy album you guys did for those yes. that aren't yes. familiar right and, and i think it really interesting just the fact that you guys almost seem to meet almost by happenstance i got the impression that you guys knew each other for you know years and years but yeah well i think it's just one of those things where we have similar personalities when it comes to just sort of letting it go, right. you know? Also, I think it also uh, sort of dovetails. I know at that point, Brian 
Brian's a very regimented guy specifically. You don't have a show like Brian has had in terms of touring without having things down to a science. And, mm. and like his act is so great and so tight and so funny, but he knows where every beat goes. Like he knows where every laugh is coming from. And having seen his act so many times, like I have my own personal, like favorite things that he'll do, like mannerisms, like during acts that he's, he does every single time because they work and they're great and they're fantastic. And at the point where I think I met him and he was doing scam school and that was right. And, and sort of the birth of where he wanted to do BB live show was him sort of saying, let's take the clock off and kind of throw out the regimented element mm. of some of the stuff that he had done before. And that's where the live shows were basically the exact, it was anarchy. It was like, <laughs> no, plan. absolutely no plan. I turn on the camera and let's go. Which if you watch the first couple BB live shows, it's literally whatever he wants to do that night. And that varies because people think when I was doing BB live show with him or with NSFW, we give off an improvisational vibe that everything's coming together right there. But it really is a fairly specific kind of genre. It's the, it's the baby of what me and Brian really liked about talk radio, about like the Howard Stearns and Opie and Anthony's when we were, you know, when we were big fans of shows like that, of television shows we liked, of comedy we liked. It, it's, it is, in its own weird way, a fairly specific kind of show. Right. Where what he was doing before was like, one episode, I'm going to interview Michael Amar. And one episode, I'm just going to get drunk with Danny Garcia. And one episode, I'm going to talk about this other thing. And one episode, is just going to be straight calls. And when I started calling in, I started calling in. And then at that point, we had a really good time one time. And he's like, dude, whenever you want to come on. And I, you know, not being one to pass up an opportunity, just kind of made it my business to be part of all the shows that he wanted me to be a part of and to, and to start coming up with bits with them. And that's where the show kind of became closer to what it is now. But right. I think my relationship with Brian was, I think, feeding what he wanted to get into more of, which was just kind of, let's get improv -y. Let's just set ourselves. So what it is now is like, we have some wide boundaries and then we can go anywhere inside of them. Mm, right. And that's something that I think he wanted to do more of. And I think I'm fairly good at. And I think that's where, like, artistically, I think we really, really matched up very well. Right. So how did this all come about for NSFW with Twit? Because I, I do think it's something of an interesting fit to, to be on that network where most of the other shows are, are kind of straight up. Yeah, no, a gambling debt. Leo Laporte had that <laughs> problem, and uh, it was at a uh, smoky Monte Carlo hall that uh, NSFW was indebted to him. Uh, no, this all starts with Colleen Kelly. Colleen Kelly, who is now working at Google slash YouTube. I don't know exactly which side of the fence she is on. Transitioning to work at working at YouTube, or she is fully working at YouTube. But she used to work at Twit, and is amazing and awesome and hilarious and one of the best people on the planet. But she loved scam school. And she had kind of pitched to Leo a couple times, hey, you really need to have Brian on. And apparently, like, the first clip she played for Leo 
it was just like Brian had some joke about like, you know, it was wiener or something like that. <laughs> something very <laughs> sophomoric. And Leo was like, man, nope, sorry. That's stupid. And his hair, come on, that's ridiculous. Get out of my face with this. I don't know whether he said that. That's what I imagine he said. And then he just waved it off and then pushed the monitor onto the ground and it shattered. But then Colleen kind of kept on him and, and was really playing up how geek credentially, uh, you know, Brian is and which is absolutely, you know, it's true. And there's a reason why he's been on Twitter a billion times now. But once he was on Twitter a couple of times, the idea came up, which it's, it's funny. Basically, the idea initially came up was we need a video game show. Or, or why don't you have a video game show? And Leo was like, well, we don't have a video game show because when you do a video game show like you would do on Twit, because consoles are so separated, people tend to tune out the other stuff. Like they right. want to listen to the PlayStation stuff, but not the Xbox stuff. And they want to listen to the PC stuff, but not the console stuff at all, you know? But basically, that he felt it was too much of a fractured market. And so... We had, I forget how it came up, but basically Leo had said, but if we ever did one, you would be the guy to do it because you love video games and you're great, which is funny now that we're doing Game On, which is a video game show. Right. But initially that was what the idea, except our workaround was going to be, let's do a video game show, not about video games, but for video gamers, Ah. if that makes any sense. Basically, the pitch was we wanted to do the same thing for a morning commute. What drive time radio was to morning commute, mm. we wanted to do for people who played video games but just wanted something to have on while they played video games. So we wanted to appeal to that crowd in the same way that a morning drive time radio show appeals to people in their cars, but the whole show isn't like, hey, man, that isn't crazy driving. Man. You're right. starting and stopping and getting gas. That's nuts. <laughs> anyway, here's a song about, here's the cars. You know, like, <laughs> it's not all about cars. Right. And so we want to do that. And so that was what we pitched to them with the idea being, we're going to do BB Live Show. And Colleen fought very hard for this, again, behind the scenes. And I'm indebted to those two people for fighting for me to be a part of that show. You know, I had no video game credentials and I had no credentials on Twit. I'm an avid tech follower and I'm a huge new, I'm a news junkie and a news hound and tech news is a lot of what I like to, you know, talk about and everything. But, you know, there's, I would have never been on Twit. I would have never been on a show on Twit if it weren't for Brian and Colleen, right. you know? And so that's where it started. It started with that and and we had to pitch them a a bunch of ideas and they were like, okay, this seems fun. And really the numbers have never been great for NSFW, but what has been remarkable are two elements, our live viewership and our fan base. Mm, And that's been kind of the reason why we have been able to continue to be an anomaly in Twit, if even for, uh, you know, kind of growing that, genre of programming just a little bit in frame rate and now game on i would hope that twit becomes more friendly to geek programming like that uh where it's it's more about culture and Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and i'm I'm very happy to be a part of you know our corner of it with nsfw and i'm so proud of brian and tom for having such an awesome show like frame rate and I'm extremely excited to be a part of Game On, which 
is going to be a show about video games, but also is going to be a show about video game culture. And I think that's that's going to be what I want to bring to it mm-hmm. as as a writer for it. It's kind of come full circle, I guess, in that respect. Yeah, and now we're back to uh, having a show about video games. Except <laughs> this is going to be, you know, I mean, I guess NSFW is visual compared to Twitch shows, but this is going to be very, very, very visual, and it's going to have the insanely talented and amazing Veronica Belmont, which uh, should hopefully draw far more viewers than we'll ever watch NSFW. <laughs> so. Earlier, you were mentioning your love for sports, and, and I think it, that's yeah. that's kind of a natural segue to uh, FSL tonight with Tom Maris. So tell me about that. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Well, actually, I got to say one thing. When I first heard Tom mention that you guys were going to do this show, I was like, "Dang it! Why didn't I think of that? That is brilliant." <laughs> <laughs> it's the weirdest thing on the planet. I mean, there's there's really no other way to put it than it's probably the weirdest nerdiest it's not even geeky it's nerdy like it is dirty grimy (laughs) nerdy like you just it is uh i think i joked on the morning stream that it's so nerdy you retroactively lose your virginity just listening (laughs) to it i mean I, i don't even know how to describe it except we do a show me and tom where we are radio hosts hosting a show that recaps a league with teams comprised of science fiction franchises battle against each other in a ill-defined sport. And we have rosters and records and intrigue and results, and it all operates inside this universe, and we, we cover it. So the only window you have into this universe is, is FSL Tonight. It was a brainchild of Tom. It was actually a, a super fun day. It was right after Dragon Con. Dragon Con is my favorite place on earth. Definitely. It is the best place ever. And this year, I wound up because uh, Andrew had a lecture tour through the South, like right after Dragon Con. So I was staying in Atlanta for another couple of days before we got, went out on this lecture tour through Alabama and Tennessee and stuff like that. So basically, I got to stay an extra day after everybody was leaving, and it was just me, Tom, and Veronica just sort of hanging out. And it was one of the most fun days I think I've ever had. It was just really, really awesome. And one of the things that came out of that was Tom and I started talking about this fictitious league where we would have sports fran- or sports franchises comprised of science fiction and fantasy franchises. And it, it was never to me anything more than an art project. And I don't think it is mm-hmm. anything more than, than an art project, but it's, it's one of those things where I, more people have gotten into it than I thought would. And it's so fun to do. It's just, it's so hilarious to, you know, cause like, on one hand, it's like an improv contest. On another hand, it really is a very loving parody of sports talk radio, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which me and Tom are both a fan of and like to make fun of. We kind of all the hyperbole that sort of goes along with it. Yeah, all the talk uh, of trade rumors and, you know, who's yeah, free agency. Yeah, but it's also like, and, like the end of the day and yeah. all the, the, the cliches of like leaving it all in the field. But then 
the fun, the twist on it is that all the cliches, you know, and all the inside jokes are references to these franchises and, and comparing and contrasting these universes. So it's probably the biggest thing I've had to do. I had to do homework on because I had to go back and like rewatch all these <laughs> movies right. and television shows and everything just so I would have something to say. But it, it's, I, I, I really, I don't know. Like it's so few things in life am I lost for words on, but uh, FSL tonight is certainly one of them, except to say that it's, I think it's a hilarious concept. I, it's, I, I have so much fun doing it. And uh, I love the FSL fans are maybe my favorite thing on the planet because there are just some hardcore people that love this idea. And uh, uh, to be honest, when Tom first had the idea for it, I figured there's no way we're going to do more than one season because I just thought it was going to be just a really fun art project that we were going to do and some people were going to like it. And a lot of people would ignore it and that would be it. But I've had so much fun doing it. And now the idea is, you know, now we're, we're relegating two teams and we're bringing up two teams and the fans are voting on it. And there's a lot of intrigue as to, you know, which teams are going to stay in the league and everything, and which teams are going to come up and what new franchises are we going to be able to talk about? And, um, you know, now I can't see it not going on forever. Cause I just have, and it's so much fun working with Tom. Tom's right. just Yeah, I just, the idea, I mean, you have, I know enough people who are totally into fantasy sports, but here, this is like the literal fantasy sports. It is, it is, which is, I mean, we call it FSL, and we never say what FSL means. And part of it is just that, like, wow, like, this is really the, the proper nomenclature of, of fantasy sports. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually talking about fantasy franchises. Yeah, when you've got the Mordor Crows versus the, you know... Uh, the Arrakis Barons. Yeah. Or, you know, and the Alderaan Rebels. And I think we've already announced the, the Rebels are, are going to get relegated. And um, the Kronos Raiders are going to get relegated. So the Klingons are out. And the, uh, the Rebel Alliance is out. Gone like so many particles of a blown up Alderaan and uh and so we're gonna bring up two new teams and I think the ones that are really in the lead are um the Beetlejuice Hitchhikers and nice. the Gallifrey Doctors and um you know who knows I think I think there's some surprises in the offing I don't want to uh, I don't want to tip anything but I definitely think people should catch up I mean to listen to the whole season can't taking more than three hours so uh so everybody go check that out and Definitely. and uh it's it's gonna it, it's i don't know if you are a mega nerd then you're gonna love it it's it's so god it is like your fingernails get dirty with the nerdiness <laughs> it just, it's like we're making just the most ridiculous references i mean that's probably my favorite thing about it is like when tom will say something and I'll know it's funny, and then I'll be like furiously Wikipediaing it. <laughs> the hell, he was talking about. <laughs> okay, so rapid fire time. Reaction time is a factor, so don't think too much. Answer with whatever comes to mind. So, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. So, to me, you have to always, whenever you're dealing with stuff like this, it's like the gymnastics thing. So, you have a routine, you have how difficult it was to do the routine divided by execution and with the prequels it certainly takes it down a, a, a whole large amount but there has been far less 
completely crappy hours of Star Wars material than there have been completely crappy hours mm. Star Trek material. And that to me is the tiebreaker. Mm. Fair point. Dark side or light side? I would have to say dark side. The Jedi's <laughs> have always been very creepy. Like they take kids away from their parents. I hadn't really thought they, of it, but you're totally right. It's very weird and it seems very culty and everything. The Sith, they're like, <laughs> we're a kill cult. We get together, we learn how to kill people, and we try to kill them, and then we try we kill each other. Like you know straight up what you're getting right, into. Right. You know, it's not like you know, all of a sudden you're giving up your son so we can go to Coruscant and trade under some <laughs> total weirdo that you've never met before. Like, it's just, I don't know. It seems odd to me. Marvel or DC? I'm a make mine Marvel guy. I was, I've always been a Marvel cat. Batman's cool, but uh, I, I just, I've always enjoyed the human element of, mm. of Marvel characters. And, it, you know, aside from, you know, uh, when, when Miller started doing Batman and stuff like that, I always enjoyed when Marvel got gritty more than when DC got gritty. Like I, I enjoy mm. one of my favorite characters growing up was always the Punisher. I just love the Punisher because there wasn't any mystery. It's like, oh, mm. he's a Vietnam vet who has a lot of guns. He shoots people <laughs> in the face. And then it's like, oh, what is he going to do? I was going to find the bad guys and shoot him. He's going to shoot him right in the head, maybe in the leg. Like that's pretty much what he does. <laughs> I love that idea. And also just, you know, who doesn't, and you, if you're growing up and you're a comic book nerd, who isn't, when you're a teenager, wondering what your mutant power is? That's it. That was mm -hmm. 90% of what I thought about between the ages of 10 and <laughs> 28. Like, <laughs> to now, is what my mutant power will be when it eventually develops. And just fantasizing about that. And that's a total Marvel conceit. Mm. Well, that actually brings me to my next question. If you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? I don't know, man. Like, for me, I would probably pick something super utilitarian, like only having to eat one soybean a year and just <laughs> never sleeping, you know, and just completely just operating at all times. I mean, like flying would be awesome, right? But it's like, at what point does the responsibility for flying really mm. outweigh being able to fly? You know, mm. like now you got to do stuff. People expect stuff of you. And I think that's with a lot of superpowers. And the reason why superheroes happen is because like you're an asshole if you have a superpower and you're not doing something with mm. it. You know, yeah. people are going to look at you and just be like, what are you doing? You know you can't go drink a Capri Sun. You have to save the <laughs> president's daughter. But if you're just a dude who never sleeps and only and you know doesn't have to spend money on food, that's just sweet. That's just awesome. If not that, then Doctor Manhattan. Then I would go the absolute other direction. Just <laughs> be go. completely all powerful and be able to walk around with my junk out and <laughs> my wife while I'm conducting an experiment. I, I've got to admit that idea of not having to sleep does appeal to me. I mean, think of how much you could get done if you didn't have to, you know, sleep for a third of your life. Oh, dude, it'd be the best. Yeah. It'd be the best ever if you would just. And all it would take is eating one lima bean a year, and you do it during Thanksgiving. There you go. There you go. What is your favorite science fiction curse word? I mean, I don't know. Well, I guess it's been off the air for a while, so it's not like a total poser thing. But it's hard to go with anything but frack, right? 
Yep. Like Freck just sort of says everything it needs to say right there. Like it sounds like a curse word. And, you know, it's it's immediately a geeky thing because it's not a Star Wars curse or a Star Trek curse or something like that. It's it's BSG where it's like kind of like, hey, I watch good television and hey, I'm a total nerd. Like <laughs> it's just uh, that's that's kind of kind of really cool. It's also like social coup. Mm. Like you can say like, like, oh, Jesus, you know, like, meanwhile, she's fracking this guy. Like, and then you just see, you look around who else you're talking to and you see whoever's ears perk up like a dog. You're like, all right, you're cool. You're cool. And you don't know right. what the hell you're. Right. Okay. So that's it for rapid fire. What might be the geekiest thing you've ever done? Oh, man. What would be the geekiest thing I've ever done? I'll say this, I was definitely for four years in high school, a member of a Renaissance recreation society. Mm. And I went to Renaissance fairs all across the great state of Florida and had garb that I dressed like. And once a, once a month, we'd be encouraged to dress up in our garb and come to school. So I'm in the, I'm in the oh, leather wow. boots. And the they weren't tights, but they were certainly kind of stretchy esque pants and a pirate type shirt. And I had uh, you know a chain, a chain link necklace that I owned. I think I probably still own somewhere. And uh, yeah, that was easily the geekiest thing that I've ever been a part of. And and something that I'm not ashamed to talk about, but it's certainly whenever people see it, they're like, Oh my God, that's crazy. Oh yeah. And I've got to admit dressing up in costume at that time of your life in high school. I mean, that, that really took some dedication. <laughs> yeah. As Scott likes to play on, on the morning stream of uh, Michelle Bachman saying it took a lot of chutzpah. <laughs> there you uh, go. But to be honest, that was a huge part of me realizing that everybody who thinks they're cool is a fraud mm. and that coolness is a completely fraudulent concept and that nobody is in any way cool because as soon as you completely take the bottom out of that, like, is I'll be like, you're worried about like, Oh my God, are my sneakers not new enough? Right. Mm. Or like, am I not wearing a cool enough shirt or like is what they're doing and how they're acting way cooler than than what i am doing and it's like you completely take the floor out of that when you dress up like the princess bride and <laughs> you know while you have a face full of acne and then people don't treat you any different you know it, it's like if you act like yo this is my thing i'm the princess bride guy as you wish what's up mm. as soon as you do that you just completely realize that everybody else is just buying in to a concept that people that were, were there before them were doing and that everything's a lie. And all you have to do is act comp is like, pretend like this is the coolest thing. And it's easy for me because I'm fairly quick witted. So I'll be able, I, I was, even when I was super shy, you I was shy? Able to think, Oh God, yeah, now <laughs> painfully shy. That's actually how I got into the Renaissance recreation society was because I didn't know how to make other friends. And I was living at the time, or before that, I, I lived across the street from where the Renaissance Fair happened, and I enjoyed going to the Renaissance Fair every year, and I would wind up volunteering to work at like a soda booth, uh, and I loved doing it, and I just loved mm. going to the Renaissance Fair. And so 
when I found out that there was this society, I'm like, oh, I'll be part of that. And a lot of that was because I just didn't know how to make friends. Like I was just so shy. I just sort of was a brooding emo little jerk and just, you know, <laughs> I just drew stupid doodles in my notebook and didn't talk to anybody. And um it was going to that. That's how I made my friends. I made my friends through that, but I was always prone to trying to be very, very silly in outbursts, but that was always kind of fake to me. Like that was like a fake personality. Mm. That wasn't me. I was just doing things to make people laugh. And the real me I thought had like little to no value. And it was through high school and a lot of just hanging out with the nerdiest outcasts of, you know, high school society and knowing that I was one of them that completely bridged that gap for me and realized like, oh wait, all these other people are just fake. Like they're just not, they're not really better than us. Mm-hmm. They're more insecure. Cause then I started, as I started to put two and two together in high school, I started to make friends with those people cause I was in the same like AP classes and they thought I was smart. So they would talk to me. And as I got to know them better, I was like, you guys are way more insecure and screwed up than these other people. And these other people are so screwed up. Like they are the weirdest kids in the world. And you guys are worse. That was a light bulb for me. And that's Mm. where I kind of bridged the gap to be like, okay, if I'm loud and ridiculous and I try to make people laugh all the time, that's not at expense of people acting like I'm actually a real person. Like people actually think that that's my personality and I can make, I can go forward from that. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge part of understanding life. Right. Deep thoughts from Justin Robert Young. Yeah. See, I got more than just jokes. I'm not just out of yells. I got got more than one pitch. Well, we are just about out of time here. So where can people go to find more about you and all your different projects? Christ, I really do just need like a central website. Um, for right now, follow me on Twitter, Justin R. Young. Follow me on Google Plus, I'm Justin Young. And then in this order, go to itrix.com for magic news, weirdthings.com for news of the weird and sci-fi news, the weirdthings.com podcast with me, Brian Brushwood, and Andrew Maine, the NSFW show podcast with me and Brian Brushwood, FSL Tonight with me and Tom Merritt, and then Game On, the new video game podcast from Twit featuring Brian Brustin and Veronica Belmont, which I am very lucky to be a part of. That is uh, Sundays right after Twit on the Twit network and uh, available on podcasts. So, folks, check it out. All right. With all these projects, do you ever sleep? <laughs> Maybe I do have. See, that's the thing. I'm just telling you that because that really is my secret power. Yeah, I know, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I uh I like to do stuff. And I still think to this day, I'm very much a guy who's like, like, when are you gonna get off your ass and do something? <laughs> like my self-loathing complex is just constantly working overdrive that I need to stop screwing around and actually complete something in my life. Mm. Well, Justin, thank you so much for talking with me. You've definitely got some geek cred. Well, that's just about going to do it for this episode of Geek Cred. But if you've got any questions, comments, suggestions, feedback, make your voice heard. Call 818-925-4335 or email geekcred at geekcred.net. You can find the show notes and much more information, including how to find Geek Cred on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, 
chat room and how you can donate. Those donations really do make a difference all over at geekbread.net slash 48. For Justin Robert Young, I've been Steve Rickyberg, and that's it for me. So until next time, geek on. <laughs>